Tuesday. Welcome back to another uh, another Tuesday Tea Talks. Tonight we have a special special guest. Um, she has found her calling through serving others. She is a founder of her own nonprofit. Um, she is a humanitarian at heart. So welcome, Rhonda. How are you? Hi. Good morning, and thank you, Mariella, for having me. Uh, yes, I am a servant. I have hey. grown in to become a servant. And can you talk? So the name of ah, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you ask the question. The, uh, so when you say that you have uh, grown, um, and we're going to go into talking about your nonprofit, but when you say about growing into a heart of servant, right? Many, many of us, when we hear that word service, we say, you know what? That that's not that's not being a leader, right? Because you know, I'm not. I wasn't born to serve others or that's not where I want. I want, you know, a higher position. But when you say you have the heart of serving others, how does that impact um, you as a leader? How do you view yourself as that? Okay, so let's, let's reverse it a little. All right. Um, in leading the organization and having to make many decisions on how to keep your organization moving forward, you, you become more of a servant because you learn that leading doesn't mean that you're at the top of the list of everything and that what you say goes and you forget to listen. Instead, by leading, you learn to listen more and you understand that you can't lead yourself. You have to lead a team. You have to lead a group. You have to lead people. So in order to do that well, you then become more of a servant because you listen more, you receive opinions of others, and that brings that enlightens you more in leadership yeah. and you become more serving. So they kind of work together. Each one grows by, by playing on both of them. Uh -huh. um, what I mean by playing on both of them is that in leading, in order to be a great leader, you have to serve. Just like Jesus. Yes. Jesus did the same thing. Yes, you're right. He served, but he leaded. You're right. You're right. And, and, and can we talk then a little bit about your organization? Because I know that you um, formed it about how long ago? 17 years plus ago? How many years? Did 13. This is our 13th year. This okay. is our 13th year. So the name of the organization is Rhonda Eyes Alliance. Okay. It carries my name. I did not choose it to carry my name. And what we do is we are a group of dedicated healthcare professionals and volunteers that we give back through caring for the eyes of the less fortunate through vision. Awesome. And we are organization, our works are twofold. In South Florida, we attend community events. We do health fairs. We go to we partner with churches and community leaders, and we educate about caring for your eyes, 
uh, vision. Uh, we educate on effects of diseases, how it, it affects your eyes, like diabetes and glaucoma. And we do vision screenings for schools and churches and at health fairs. That's in South Florida. And that way we keep the awareness of what the bigger part of our works are. Where for the last 12 years, and this is our 13th, we have started working in Haiti in 2007. And we travel to Haiti in particular, and we've now branched out in Bahamas also, but we go into from recycled glasses and medications and a team from the United States. We would travel first annually and then it grew into biannual. Wow. And we would see people and check their eyes and identify um, eye diseases and educate them and, and give them medications. That was in the beginning. And as time went by, we now to present, we have been able to train a team of young locals where they work with the local doctors in Haiti and they've become the support team. That They're is optical trainees. So they have, they, we now have one big clinic where we, the clin clinic is operating bi-monthly. And in addition to the bi-monthly clinic that's ongoing and continuous, twice a year, I get together a team of professionals from up here, ophthalmologists, optometrists, opticians, nurses, anyone that wants to volunteer. And we travel down and we do eye surgeries. Wow, Rhonda, that is amazing. And let me ask you then, how, how is it different from South Florida to um, Haiti? How is the population? How, where do you see maybe people being more, you can say grateful or um, maybe more, because let me tell you something, I wear glasses and sometimes we do take into like, you know, oh no, my vision, you know, we just, ah, it's okay. You know, I can just pop my contacts or put my glasses on and, and I'll be fine. Right. And I have my annual checkup and my kids, all my kids, my three kids wear glasses. My husband wears glasses. I mean, you know, we're a bunch of glasses people here. You're a glasses family. We're a glasses family. But then how, you know, and sometimes we do take for granted that we're able to afford glasses, that we're able to every year, you know, we have our health insurance covers our IXM. But when you have people that are not as fortunate as us, right, and, and, and they receive eye care and you have volunteers coming to a different country or even here in South Florida, how does the, that people that, that you serve, how do they greet you? How do they come up to you? How do, how do they treat your, your professionals that come um, with you um, at the time that they're having their eyes checked? Okay, so um, it's amazing. And it's another area in your life that helps you to grow into leadership. And I want to bring it back to that because, you know, we're on... Uh, Tuesday tea talks with Call to Greatness. So we travel down and um, when we're there, years ago, we would have, we would get to, to the site 
where we would work and we work in a Christian hospital and we stay on a mission site in the rural area outside of the capital. So when we get there, we stay on the same compound where we stay, where, where we have dorms, and then we walk within the same compound to the Christian hospital. So we get there and we unpack and we prepare. And then our first day that we're there, we go walk in, the whole team goes together. And when we get there, there are hundreds of people waiting. Wow. They have been waiting from the day before. They just there, they wait, they don't complain. And wow. um, that was in the beginning. Wow. And we would be like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But yes. you get through it. God gives you the strength that you get through it. So over the years in growing what we, this, what we do, and when the clinic that we have implemented over there that's existent, it's as if you went to the United, a, a clinic in the United States. We have set it up the same way. So now we make them make appointments. They have mm -hmm. phones that we support in the United States. We pay for the minutes on the phones for the clinic. So now they have phone numbers that they call and we make appointments for them. And we have 60 patients the most per day in, a, in relation to years ago when it was hundreds and we didn't know when we would stop and so forth. So it's more organized. Coming back to how they appreciate it. Yes. They wait patiently. They don't complain. They are so much less fortunate that some of them, they don't even have, had not even had a meal for the day. Wow. Some of our trainees, we have learned by working with them that, when I see them act in a certain way, I would be, did you have breakfast? Because they won't complain. They're wow. so grateful for being able to have their eyes checked. And over the years, the word has gotten around that this group that comes to give their time mm -hmm. that we can see. Because, you know, it's a mixture of people that are going all with good hearts, yeah. but not understanding that you have to move from giving a man a fish to teaching a man how to fish, how to fish, how to fish. So wow. now it's more organized. They're very appreciative. They go tell somebody else they travel from hours away to come. And there are times when we may have to cancel the clinic because maybe the doctor couldn't get there and they would have waited four or five hours already. But wow. they come back, they care for their, their, their product, they mm -hmm. care for their medications. And let me just tell you uh, just a couple more things to make it clear uh -huh. to your listeners. So the organization, the, the clinic in Haiti went from recycled glasses, uh -huh. which is one of the hardest things. Because we would take your glasses, your family's glasses, we would put the prescription on them, we would go down, we would examine their eyes, and we would spend time matching the prescriptions. Wow. So sometimes you can match a prescription where the prescription for the right eye is perfect, but the left eye is not the one that it should be. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard, but it pushed us to where now they come in and they get custom eyewear. So... Thank you to some big optical companies and opticians like myself 
that donate very nice frames. So they get their frames for free. Wow. They pay a minimum for their eye examination. They pay one US for their eye exam. Wow. And they pay for their lenses. And we have their lenses made up in, here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then we send it back to them. Minimum. Any money that is collected goes right back into the program. Pay for electricity at the facility that we use to pay a stipend to the entire team, including the doctor. So when we do surgeries, we have to pay for the surgical room. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question and to elaborate on it, they're very appreciative. They take care of their, their product because they know that it's going to be hard to get a second one. Yes. And our reward is amazing in so many ways because some of them, the farmer will come with a huge watermelon and he would hold it so carefully and he would be so happy to be able to say, I brought this for you. Wow. So, you know, and, and they, they bring you what they have and they're so grateful. So um, it's very, very rewarding and it helps you to continue to do what you can to give back. And Rhonda, let me ask you then, how does, how did that change you or is it changing you, um, you know, throughout the years? Because those acts of kindness of people just bringing what they have to you, right? Just being appreciative and saying, thank you for doing, but not only that, you know, you have, you have all this team getting ready from, you know, the United States, getting them over there. How does that change you from the inside? Because I see your face and I hear your tone of voice and it excites you, right? But many of us, including myself, haven't had an opportunity of, of maybe serving outside the U.S., and we don't see the need that there is outside the U.S. Yes, we have traveled maybe out, you know, to other countries, but it hasn't been to actually serve the community of those countries. It has been to be a tourist. Uh, but how does that change you from the inside? How does, how does that light up that, that flame that you have, that passion that you have? Well, you know, um, when God puts his hand on your shoulder, when when you decide that you live in this first world country and one way or another you may note something that that starts that flame that you know um Rhonda told me about how she travels and I started to think about it and I realized that my daughter keeps breaking her glasses and and I, she should be more careful because you met somebody else needing a pair of glasses. Yeah. So when it starts up that you get this little flame lit on you mm -hmm. and you realize that you have to be more conscious of the, of the privileges that you have mm -hmm. here. So without having to travel outside, just being here, we have to give back. Yeah. And as you start to give back, as you start to realize how how good you have it even yeah. though you think it's hard yeah then that grows on you so yes my flame got lit because i took a step i yeah. stepped out there and i went I, I went to do further and it started off because a priest 
came to the United States, met me, heard that I do eyes, and invited me into the mountains of Haiti. And we went there and it was an eye-opening experience. And that's when I realized, wait a minute. So for all my life, I'm doing this and God has a plan. It's not my plan, it's his plan. So it grows on you. Um, and, it, it, and it's hard. And we, we would need hours for me to tell you some of the stories that we've encountered. Yeah. We traveled with, there was one time we traveled 50 pieces of luggage. We found someone that had to carry the luggage in, in a cargo van to the airport. Wow. We lost a suitcase filled with medication. Wow. And we didn't realize until the end of the mission that something was missing. We came back to the United States and was like, wait a minute, there's a suitcase missing. And went to the loss and found in Miami International, it was there. It's oh those stories yes. that tell you that someone's helping you to do this and, and you have to keep on track. That God's in control and you have to keep on track. And the more you get those stories, that flame gets bigger. And then you have, you have, you have the part of it where uh, people close to you, your family is like, hey, we don't see you. Hey, you're always busy. <laughs> when are you going to stop traveling? Or they see something on the news that it's dangerous. Yes. Or, or there's the, um, the, the cholera outbreak or, or you know. Yes. And, and they're worried about you. And, and they mean well. They yes. mean well. And you have to be careful. But as you take a step and you decide you have to start somewhere mm -hmm. and as you grow into whatever it is and remember everybody has a gift i was thinking yeah. about this this morning before we started everyone has a gift yes and and the gifts they sometimes they all come together and link up yes that we can grow more and help each other to grow more that is you know, and that's something I, I would like for you to take because of what, what you're doing now. You have entered into to, to growing in an area. Yeah. And our meeting is, I hope that it can contribute to that, that you can now take another step. You have yes. to take steps. And as a leader, we have to do that. You and, and you have to learn to step on faith. Yes. You have to step out on faith. Yes. And if you fall or if you stumble, you get up, you brush yourself off. Yeah. And you keep on going. That is so great. And as you go, you get wisdom with it. And oh. don't be scared to use your wisdom. That is great. That, that that is awesome and you're right you're right when we link up to others we're able to grow to become better um i want to talk a little bit about the spirit of generosity because that is something that you you have it you you give you connect with others that have the same spirit as you do of giving back can you tell me how can we grow in generosity how can we be um maybe less selfish, right? Because we tend to, yeah, we, sometimes we live in, in a country that, you know, we are, we're grateful for and, and um, 
my daughter the other day she was doing a project for her university and it was talking you know she had to assess different kitchens right from different uh, around the world and then she had to assess her our own kitchen and she was able to to see that and be like mom wait a minute you know there's there's differences, you know, even on the things that are on the counter. But, and then we started talking about the spirit of generosity that we have to give you right, right to the less fortunate. But how do we start that? How do we start being generous to others and understanding that it's not that we're, we're leaving our family aside or, or, you know, our kids aside, but understanding that we can grow together and be more generous with everyone i think that um especially in this time that we're in right now mm -hmm. in 2020 because if we go back to last year and say the last five years prior and we say we're gonna look forward into the future with your daughter finishing university mm -hmm. it would be kind of hard to 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 zoom in on 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 how do we start to 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 live generosity yeah and i think that this year and what we're going through now in this pandemic uh -huh. and with the awareness of our fellow human beings yes. being um getting less because of the color of their skin bringing yeah. all of that in is that we have to be aware that we're human. We're all human. We're all yes. created by God. Yeah. And we must be aware of our fellow person. Yeah. The person right next to us. If it's your husband, if it's your daughter in university, mm -hmm. if it's her friend that comes over and um, you may not say it, but may be hungry yeah. or her her clothes may may be not of the same yeah. but generosity i think comes with opening your eyes mm -hmm. and being aware of what's around you wow. if we open up our eyes and you know vision is my is is yes. my passion and my peeve here if we open our eyes and we can look at what's around us it would help us yeah. It was help us to understand we should be generous. Yeah. Um, you know, I do I do little things that I don't talk about. You know, there's a little saying that says you don't let your left hand know what your right hand is yes. doing. Yes, yes. So for me, I'll give you one example that's so deep in my heart. And every time I see it, every time I think about it, it's like, and I say, God, if you were to let me win the lottery, I would go and I would buy all the flowers, street corners, so that those old people wouldn't stand on the street corner. Yes. And it sounds kind of like, what are you talking about? But in my heart, it's like, I don't want my parents out there. I agree. I don't want them standing at a corner where some crazy person is going to be. Yeah. So if I could, I would buy all the flowers so they wouldn't have to be out there. Yes. But then again... That person is out there not only because he needs money to survive, but maybe when he's at home, he's lonely wow. and he doesn't interact. Wow. So generosity, I think I would answer to say, let's say in 2020, 
which is a life-changing year. Yes. I thought 2020 was going to be my biggest year. I was going to have a big fundraiser. And it's all about vision. And we would have all these awesome slogans about 2020. Yes. yes. That's not how it is. It's yeah. completely opposite. We're having a Zoom meeting when we could have been sitting together, you know? Yes. So generosity should to, to have the spirit of generosity. Open your eyes, open your ears, and be aware of what's around you. And do the smallest thing for someone. Do the smallest we thing. We can't hug them, but we can at least say, you know, you go to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru, and you waited a few minutes, and the cars piled up, and you were late for your meeting. Forget it. Still say thank you to that person. Yes. Thank you to that essential person that's out there. Yes. That young girl that's going to school, that has a baby, you know, that start there and it'll grow on you. I, I like what you it's, said. Do life the, is a journey. Yes. And I like what you said. Do the little things for others, right? Because sometimes we think generosity is, is doing the big thing big things right everybody can see that we're doing it but like you said maybe maybe it is buying buying um those flowers from the person in the street maybe it's saying thank you and you know please and taking just like a couple more seconds um to be grateful to to give thanks uh to the people because you're right we don't even know what others are going through if, like you said, 2020 was going to be big, I thought, you know, there was a different feeling in my house for 2020. It was like, oh my goodness, there's something huge coming. We didn't know what, what was it, right? We were like so excited, you know, our vision yeah. boards were up and we're like, yeah, as a family, we're going to do this. We're going to conquer this. And, you know, personally, this is what I'm going to do. And then we're stuck in a pandemic. And exactly. how can we still be impacting others in a pandemic? Can, can, you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Or how do you do it? How do you still impact other people um, that are stuck in a pandemic? Like, I mean, the entire world is right now. How can we do that? How can we impact people's lives? You know, I have... I have, well, I just want to go back to the Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. I want to just finish that really quick. You know what I did when I got to the window after the girl took, uh, served me? I said, can I speak to your manager? And her face dropped, you know. Uh, I said, she says, the manager's in here, but this is the person. So I said, well, can I speak to that person? And she came to me and I said, you know, I want you to know that this is like the third time I'm coming. And I just want to tell you that all your staff is so good that they take the order so well and I get my stuff and all of them, their face brightened up because wow. they were so worried that somebody was going to complain. Right. How do you impact in this time? Me, one of the things that I've been doing is I call my old patients. I pick up the phone and I call them and I called a, a gentleman the other day and I said, hi, Mr. Mobley. I'm just checking on you. He was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you called me. They just need to hear your voice. You just have to find different ways to reach people. Wow. 
and make that thing, you know, uh, make that difference. Check on somebody. Check on that aunt that you, that, that you haven't heard from. Stop wow. texting and call. Yeah. Call them, yes. you know. And for, the, and for the younger ones, text them because mm-hmm. they don't want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> but text them. And, and, and show up and, and, and call them, you yeah. know. Yeah. Do the social distancing. Like I, um, you know, in the beginning part, we became where we didn't see our kids. Yeah. But however, I worked through the entire pandemic because the doctors I work with, I'm the optician. Mm-hmm. So all the opticals are closed and um, the patients can't get to but the doctors I work with are in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we have broken glasses, lost glasses. People have nowhere to go. Yes. So I was able to do that because I only see private patients. Um, but you have to find a way to, to keep caring Yes. And it helps you because in this time of being isolated, no matter how we try to be positive, yes. there's that cloud yes. that comes and you have to fight it. As a leader, you have to stand up under any types of pressure. Yeah. You have to have that smile on your face, yeah. even though your insides are like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know? So when when you choose to to lead yeah when you choose to take on um a a a project or yes. or 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 a group mm-hmm. you have to build yourself up that's and you true. have to be brave that's true it is true you have to be brave <laughs> you have to be brave and but you, how can we be brave Rhonda because it is it is hard it is hard sometimes to be brave you know we can we can put the smile we can um say we can do it but sometimes deep down inside it's tough to be brave it is tough you know it's like how can I be brave when everything is falling apart? When, how can I be brave, you know, when we're in the middle of the pandemic and I'm trying to lead a group of, of, of people and maybe there is no more money for me to pay them? How can I be brave when, when I, I see the needs of the people I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to lead and I don't have the resources anymore? How can we be brave when when we come when we're encounter with those things? Sometimes you have to stop and stand still. If it's for an hour or if it's for a day, you stop, you let go, you regroup, and you call on who you believe in. Wow! For me, I lead. I lead. Uh, uh, non-governmental Christian faith-based organization. And in order to be able to say that, I have to know who I trust and who I believe in first. And I do. I believe in God, the Father. So in those times where you don't have the answer and it's not always about material. Yeah. So you stop stand still and give yourself time 
if you can give yourself a day, that's what you do. If you can give yourself an hour, that's what you do. That is powerful. But trust me, you will get the answer and you will get the strength and the encouragement to deal with whatever. If it's about money and you don't have the money to pay the, the team, you get the, the, you get the strength to be brave, to say, guys, I don't have it right now. I'm working on it. It's a pandemic. And I promise you, I give you my word. We're going to get through this. Wow. Honesty is the only way. Wow, Transparency awesome. is the only way. That's powerful. If you push it under the rug, if you push it under the rug for today, you're going to spend the entire day torturing yourself about how am I going to tell them I don't have the money. That is powerful. That is, that is powerful. Um, and I guess when, you, when you're able to speak to your team like that is because they know you and they understand who you are. And like you said, I'm giving you my word. So they know that your word is ha it's powerful. It, it weighs. It has, you know, meaning. It's not like, oh, I give you my word and we shove it off and then, you know, that's it. We forget about it. But when you're telling, telling them, trust me. And like you said, stand still and just wait and regroup and take a breather if it's for a day, if it's for an hour, if it's for five minutes, and then just go back and regroup. And like you said, calling to the, the one that we believe in, right? The, the almighty, the one that we can say, yes, you know, give us wisdom. Tell us how to move forward. That is great, Rhonda. It has been amazing having you today. Uh, Thank you. Before you go, can you tell us how, you know, besides everything that you have told us and all the wisdom that you have poured um, onto us today, how are you called to greatness? How is Rhonda LeBlanc called to greatness? Hmm. How am I called to greatness? Yes. I'm called to greatness to... How do I want to say that? I'm called to greatness... Um, when I see all the people, all the young people that have passed through my life and are able to be where they're at now. Yes. Um, yes. In Haiti, I'm not able to travel because of the pandemic yeah. and the young people, I can get on FaceTime or WhatsApp with them and they can, they can carry the clinic on with my guidance. And uh, I have a young gentleman that was, did his externship with me when I had my practice 23, well, over 30 years ago. And he now has an awesome practice. And uh, um, so I, I'm called to greatness by seeing the, the, what has come, what has grown from what yes. I have, what, what has come out of my journey? Wow. We, we, we had a conversation the other day and you said something that impacted me and you said, it's time to give to our daughters, right? 
um, something along those lines. Yes, and and that impacted me so much because I was like, that is right. It is. It is not. You know, and you have told us all the experiences that you've had, and how you still choose to invest in others right that your legacy and even though you say you know you didn't choose the name for your organization for your nonprofit, but your legacy still carries on through the young people that are um, under you the people that have learned from you the people that still carry your name the organization um even the doctors that you work with and that decide to say, you know what, this organization is good. It is, it is showing tangible fruits of what, you know, it preaches and it's okay for me to invest and link my name to Rhonda's name because she impacts people. And in the couple of conversations that we have had, um, you have impacted me greatly. You have talked to me, you have talked, um, you know, wisdom. And I was writing like little side notes here on my, on my journal because you, you impact wisdom just by, by speaking and, and I'm being honest and it has nothing to do with the interview, but just by speaking, you impact so much wisdom, Rhonda, um, that I feel like even my ears have been trained to just to listen to you and to just learn from you and just a couple of times that we have talked because there's a different spirit in you right there's something different that i that i can see that i can sense um with your generosity with impacting others we're giving from yourself and like you said sometimes your family calls you and be like we don't see you Rhonda, but still there is something different in you something that that has impacted me and I'm being honest and truthfully telling you and it has nothing to do with an interview um but yes you know the couple times that we have talked you have impacted me you have left something of that little of of greatness um, installed in me so I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking um this time to talk to me to impart your wisdom to others um and you know for your legacy to continue to grow and expand and i just want to say thank you thank you if i can just um finish yes. with a couple things um, <clears throat> um when when we went back to about your word what i wanted to what i want to share with you is that when the group of people that we formed the organization decided to name the organization after me. It was very troubling. I, every time they said my name, I wanted to duck. And <laughs> in the beginning, I didn't know how to hold the microphone. And my husband is a sound engineer and a professional musician. So he's real good on the microphone. So I would tell him everything to say, say this, say that, say this. And I would hide. And over the years, he didn't say what I wanted him to say, so I had to go to the microphone. And one of the things is that I had to regroup in my head that the organization had my name. So I had to make sure that people understood that after, with my name, my word goes. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
my word, my father taught me that after your name, your word is the most important. Yes. And I had to make that clear. Yes. And in giving you examples of being called to greatness, uh-huh. I wanted to share with you that Nusheen, Nusheen, your dear friend. Yes. That's my niece. I love her. <clears throat> Nusheen, I taught Nusheen that when you're a number one, when you're a woman, when you want to be in the position that you're in as a leader, when you're the first one in the family, everybody has to follow behind. You always have to go a step higher. You have to work harder. So as women and as the the focus of call to greatness for us to empower young women to share our journeys so that hopefully we will make a difference in one little word that they hear is that in, in, in this opportunity to share with you is I am here with you. I'm here with your group. And we must continue to pass the baton. Yes. We must continue to uplift them. Yes. We must continue to empower them. Yes. They're, they're, they're different. Yes. It's, they're a different generation. We have to learn to speak with them. Yes. We can't put all our stuff on them because they think differently. So yes. you got to meet them. Yes. So I wish you all the best. Thank, Thank you, you for this opportunity. Call me anytime. And we're going to chat some more because I'm going to help you to continue on your journey. Thank you, Rhonda. It has been a pleasure. Um, I think I have learned more from you than you can learn from me. And again, I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And I've learned from you that you've taken your steps. So let's go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Thank you so much.